Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is feeling a lot better. The Dukes managed to climb out of the pit of misery a little bit this week. Uh, The big bounce-back win over Villanova. We will get to that in time tonight. Uh, We're really excited to join you, as always. We, most of all, are excited we have a really cool guest tonight on the show to start us off. Um, as always, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe to this on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your pods. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Fire, we're putting together some fun stuff for homecoming weekend. Going to have a big party there the night before homecoming, I guess, for Friday night. I guess it's all one big homecoming thing. Um. You might even get to hear Rob and I embarrass ourselves in front of the crowd. Um, oh, the crowd of I, I, ten, yeah. tens. I, I, yeah. I'm going to lobby against that. But. <laughs> well, in any case, there will be plenty of home, homecoming shenanigans. Uh, there will be props. Uh, we're, <laughs> I think we've got a few things lined up. Uh, so hopefully there will be some fun stuff. The next three weeks are going to be really fun. We know JMU is headed into the bye for football. Uh, a lot of the other teams are either – atop the conference or tied for the top of the conference. Both soccer teams are doing really well. So if you can get out there and support the Dukes wherever they are playing. Um, But the next three weeks, this week, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to talk some football, probably going to talk some women's hoops. And we're next week during the bye, we're planning to kind of do a big preview of both hoop seasons, sort of a deep dive into preseason basketball. And then the third week, we're going to have um, a, our second two-time guest on the podcast, uh, somebody we're really looking forward to talking to, which will also get us ready for basketball. So we've got a big period coming up here, and we're really excited about that. But first of all, uh, we have a big guest with us tonight, someone we are glad to have working for the Dukes or with the Dukes, um, one of the true legends in Harrisonburg uh, in JMU <laughs> Athletics. <laughs> One of the truest blue or truest purple Dukes you will find anywhere. Uh, a true Valley, um, I don't know, bigger, bigger than anything just JMU related. Um, but a big <laughs> welcome to Turner Ashby's own Nikki Newman. Hey, thank you. I like that intro. I should pass that along to other people. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I think most of our audience probably knows that. Um, yeah, we started this, we started the blog portion of this in 2009 which okay. I think coincides with your career at JMU. It does, and, yeah. Yeah. And those first few years when we didn't know if this was reaching anyone at all, um, your teams were really one of the saving graces for us to keep it going. Hey, so, awesome. Was, I'm glad we could help out then. <laughs> yeah. So welcome, Nikki. And um, I guess with that, did I get that right? You went to Turner Ashby, right? Yes, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So... Um, this, week, this year, Nikki is the full-time sideline reporter for the radio broadcast, I believe. And yes. you can p- plug the uh, station and your crew as much as you want tonight. Awesome. Um, but we were kind of wondering how you got that gig and how you got into working with the, the radio crew and the radio broadcast and what it's been like working with those guys this year. Absolutely. Um, so it all started Dave Thomas. Uh, he's the guy mm-hmm. who does the play-by-play for football. <laughs> Um, it was kind of something that I guess has been in the works. I wasn't fully aware of it until 
this past summer, actually, spring, summer. Um, but it was a matter of finding the right funding for the equipment that they needed for <laughs> everything to run smoothly. Uh, I feel like that's the story for most of things these days. Yep. But, um, you know, they approached me back in the spring and asked if it would be something I was interested in. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, if we can be <laughs> down on the sideline for football games and talk about football, I'm all in. <laughs> Um, so that's where it originally started. And, and, you know, it was one of those things I've been wanting to do for a while. And Dave was like, Hey, if we can get this working, you kind of want to be my first person I go to. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd be more than happy to do it. (laughs) Um, so probably like back in the spring is when it was really solidified. So there was definitely that anticipation all summer long leading up to the season. And Nikki, like for folks that don't know, you're not just a former athlete. You're from a family of former athletes. So you've been around this football program for a long, long time. Can you tell folks about that and your, your connections with family to the program? Absolutely. Yeah. So my dad played football at JMU back in the day. Uh, <laughs> you know, I won't throw him under the bus until his age, <laughs> but back in the day. And then my brother also played football there. So uh, the neat thing with that is we actually got to spend a year together. My freshman year was his senior year. Um, So both of them played football. Uh, My dad coached football uh, at Turner Ashby local high school. Um, Brother played for him in high school. Then my brother ended up coaching for him. So, yeah, I've definitely been around football, well acquainted with it since I was very young. Uh, I can remember growing up, um, you know, I had the option to participate in like the cheerleading and stuff, the little rec league cheerleading at football games. (laughs) And I was always so against it. I remember, you know, I did it like one game and I showed up in cleats and they're like, you can't really wear cleats for this because I was just so into football itself. Um, So, yeah, I've kind of been engulfed uh, in football since I was young. That's, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's it's great. great to hear. I actually got to uh, tailgate next to your extended family at the ECU game last year. Okay, so, yeah, but that was uh, quite the quite the time. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I think Rob and I hold our own usually on those kind of things. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, awesome, awesome. But, Nikki, being down on the sideline, I was in, I don't know, whatever the standing, 107, the standing section was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And sort of you were down there moving around, uh, doing your thing. Obviously, we can't hear what's going on with the broadcast when we're sitting in the stands. But is there something down there uh, this year that's been either, I don't know, either difficult or surprising about that role that maybe fans wouldn't know about? Uh, You know, I would say so from like just the typical, I guess, what people see or know about sideline reporting, Mm because a lot of it, a lot of times you'll see like the TV version of it. Um, I think it's pretty rare to get the sideline version when it's radio coverage. Um, And that's been something I've kind of had to adjust to because I'm so used to seeing these people on TV. um, And, you know, when they're talking, they're either getting a replay in the background or they're giving that player coach insight, injury updates, all that kind of information. And for me, it's more kind of trying to paint that picture for listeners of what's going on. So very Mm -hmm. similar to like a color analyst, but I'm doing it in a much shorter amount of time. So you have to be like choosy with which information you want to share. Is it something that the coach is saying or something that happened on a play? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been, it's been a challenge, but it's been uh, definitely something that I'm sure people wouldn't fully recognize at first. Um, But the other thing along with that is the two guys I work with, Dave Thomas and Clint Estes, they make it very easy for me. Um, so a lot of times they'll lead me into something or 
they'll have a good follow-up with whatever I say. So they've definitely made the transition much smoother. What What is it like as a fan transitioning to being on the sidelines and how does it change the way you watch Ooh. the game? <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> tough because <laughs> I'm so used, um, you know, not to throw myself under the bus, but back in the tailgating days before going into the game and whatnot, obviously <laughs> that's not something I can do anymore. Um, but in the stands, you're getting super excited for touchdowns, big fourth down stops, um, all that type of thing. And mm-hmm. on the sideline, you definitely have to keep my composure because, you know, there's times <laughs> where a big play will happen or a big stop will happen. And I want to like jump up and down or start yelling, but you have to look around me and see, you know, who's around, <laughs> hold it all in. Um, right. So that transition in itself has been uh, tough, but at the same time, I think it kind of helps that I have been around the program and, you know, I, I have played sports at a college level. So mm-hmm. I've been able to reel it in here and there. <laughs> it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this year the Dukes are five and two. They got punched in the mouth a little bit a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago at home, which may or may not turn out to be a learning experience for them. Um, right. But, you know, they've played a lot of not non-competitive football this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've really only played two. They played NC State in a close game, and, and then they obviously lost the tough one to Elon. Um, is there something, as you look forward to the rest of the season, that you're, I, I don't know, I guess most looking forward to about this team? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, you know, kind of just the mindset and the intensity and whether or not, you know, they keep it up throughout the rest of this season. I do think just having and you know, the nice thing for me is throughout the week and stuff, I'm able to be at practices and see what's going on. And you could just see a different energy uh, after that Elon game and Coach Houston. I know, right? (laughs) Finally. (laughs) (laughs) And Coach Houston had even mentioned something in his um, post game after the Elon game. uh, And it it was just along the lines of, you know, maybe now they'll listen. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe they were kind of taking for granted the success that they have had and, you know, what they've been doing, putting the points up on the board that they have uh, and holding opponents to, you know, nearly nothing. So Mm -hmm. I do think it was an eye opener. Um, you know, it, it kind of stinks. Granted, the Villanova win was great. I wouldn't say, like you said, they're a super competitive team. Um, so, but just seeing that bounce back was nice. Um, and I do, I think the bye weekend came at a, or the bye week came at a perfect time, uh, especially Good. going into that Stony Brook game uh, for homecoming. That'll be a fun yes. one. Um, mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I think overall, just looking to see how they finish out the year, you know, their mindset, their intensity going into games, because, you know, kind of that middle of the season, it could go mm-hmm. either way. So just looking now, forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Certainly about the attitude. And we picked up on the same thing that Coach Houston was saying. We got the impression mm-hmm. maybe it was, you don't want to say going to their heads, but maybe they thought it was going to be a little bit easier than, than it turned out being. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as someone who gets to go to practice, are there any young players or maybe players who haven't really um, popped up yet who you think might, might make some contributions down the road? Yeah, I wish there was somebody I could pinpoint, but I'm always amazed anyway, just the scout guys. I mean, what they're able to do, because you think about it and, you know, the offense going against those guys and the first team guys. I mean, it's so competitive anyway, that makes them better. Um, But some of those scout guys, you know, you you look at those DBs that have to go up against a Riley (laughs) Stapleton, a Kendall Dean, those type of guys. Um, and then you look at those wide receivers who are going up against your guy's man, Jimmy Moreland. 
Yeah. Uh, I know that's your guy. Yes. <laughs> um, but all around, you know, I don't know if I could pinpoint just one of those younger guys. Um, there's still a couple, you know, John Daka, junior guy, uh, playing on the defensive line. In my opinion, he's been tremendous this year. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't hear his name all that often, but just a lot of the little stuff that he does that leads to bigger things. Um, and, and knowing that he has another year yet still to play. Um, and then, you know, a guy that I'm sure a lot of JMU Nation knows, we've heard his name plenty of times, but Kendall Dean as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be, I feel like, <laughs> tremendous in the years to come. He um, is so fast. Like when he gets oh, my the gosh, ball, it's crazy. He's gone. Yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, wasn't, I didn't go to the Nova game, but I was listening to it. But one of the catches he had in the Elon game, I was just, mm-hmm. I, I was like in awe because it's like he put it into another gear. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you have another gear? Like, <laughs> you look like you're yeah. all, already going as fast as you could. But <laughs> definitely a tremendous athlete. So I'm looking forward to see what he does uh, the rest of his career. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. He's fun to watch. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, um, we obviously are thrilled to have you on the broadcast for the football team. Um, but we, we, we can't let this opportunity pass without asking you some hoops questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Go <laughs> <Yeah>. for it. <laughs> so I, I guess just on the big picture, um, any big thoughts or, or, you know, sort of as you look into your crystal ball for this winter season, um, mm-hmm. anything about either of the hoops teams stand out to you this year or kind of what are your expectations for both teams this year? Yeah, honestly, I'm excited for both teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a situation for the women's team just because I've been around them a little bit more. Uh, well, for starters, it's crazy because I'm like on the verge now of being <laughs> far enough out where I don't know half the girls. Right. Like just from being around the program, like I can go back in and meet them. And I'm like, oh, OK, like you're a new freshman and stuff. Um, but that's <laughs> exactly yeah. right. right. <laughs> yeah, that in itself, I'm like, dang, am I really getting this old? Um, but (laughs) all in all, you know, I'm just pumped for coach. Oh, and this year he finally has, you know, a a majority of the recruiter or the recruits in that he recruited personally as a, as a head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I've been able to see a couple of their practices and workouts and I actually over the summer got to play pickup with them some, which was a blast. Um, so challenge for them. (laughs) Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to their year. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun year for them. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a fun year to watch. They have a super solid junior class. Um, Kamaya, Lexi, all of those girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be incredibly fun to watch. You get Kayla Cooper Williams back. Um, yeah. So just a lot to look forward to there. Um, and I think it's going to be more of that JMU basketball that we've all known really getting up and down the court um <laughs> so yeah now i'm pumped for that and you know on the men's side of things coach Rowe, i think you know what he's done has been tremendous since he's been back um just working with the guys that he has um coming into the program you know having been in the program before but not in the same position um and i mean obviously i know you guys follow it but all the <laughs> close games that they had last year they were like heartbreaking yeah. it's like yeah really <laughs> Um, so, you know, this year, I mean, I do, I think they have another very solid team. So you know, I'm excited for that to get rolling. Obviously I, I wish basketball season was all year long. Um, so, I mean, I can't wait for all that to get started. Yeah. Well, Rhodes just got a big recruit last week, guy from Hampton Roads area. So one thing he that's really exciting to me as a fan is 
that Roe has been recruiting Virginia really effectively, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. I think is critical uh, oh, big time. to the success of the program. And like I, I saw Matt Lewis playing summer league this year, mm-hmm. and it was fun to see him play in his more natural position. He was playing two guard in this okay. Okay. game, which I know is what he played in, in high school. But I thought he made the transition to the point really well last year. And I, I think there's a ton of talent on this team, you know. Um, they all seem to play together. They seem to be building a similar culture that Coach O has where – you know, when Coach O got the job, it really seemed like the players were excited. It was a very kind of family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Roe is building the same sort of, of culture with the program, which, is again, is really encouraging. I oh, think if you're going to mirror a program, mirroring the women's program is yeah. a pretty good place to start. <laughs> hey, yes. we'll take that. And I definitely think, um, you know, not to toot the women's side horn or anything, but I definitely think that's something that the men's side needed. Um, was that more of that kind of just family atmosphere, those guys playing for one another, playing for their coach type deal. Um, and I think you'll see that it's going to pay off too. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's, that's great. And me too. speaking of, so you obviously <laughs> played for coach Brooks, I think for all four years. I did. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think coach O was there the whole time. Right? He was. Yeah. He was. So, have you seen anything that he's had to change uh, in the transition to being in the first chair? Absolutely. You know, it's funny because we joke around about it a lot. Coach O was kind of, so he, obviously he was an assistant at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of that go-to when like Coach Brooks was really getting after you and stuff. <laughs> you'd go to Coach O and you'd be like, yeah, like, what is he talking about? Like, why is Brianna so hard? <laughs> and he'd be kind of like that calming voice, like, hey, relax. Like, it's going to be cool, um, so on and so forth. Um, but it was funny. A lot of us, like, would joke around with him once he got the head coaching job. Like, he was MIA for a while. We're like, hey, where are you at, man? He's like, this head coaching stuff is it's the real deal. Um <laughs> But no, I mean, he's a super duper intelligent guy. Um, definitely knows what he's doing when it comes to X's and O's. Uh, definitely one of those player coaches. And I mean that in a sense, he's going to do whatever he has to to make you a better player, mm-hmm. um, which was similar to Coach Brooks. I mean, Coach Brooks would be able to pick some stuff apart and try to perfect the things that you were good at. He didn't really want to change you as a basketball player, just perfect what you were good at. And that's definitely something that coach O at least I've seen has too. So he devotes a lot of time to those individual workouts, um, working on a lot of that skill stuff. Uh, I think again, I mean, going back to the women's game and this year, I think a lot of fans are going to be given a lot of oohs and ahs when they see Kamaya Smalls play um, <laughs> just because of the realm of moves that she's picked up over the summer um, due to those workouts that he's been given. So no, Coach O's my guy, and he's definitely done <laughs> done a great job. So I was happy that he got the job, um, and to see what he's done with it has been great. Yeah, it seems like all the players and former players felt that way, and really, just going back to what I said earlier, like really support him and, and the extension. Um, even though he has a kind of a different approach, the continuation, a little bit mm-hmm. of consistency, uh, I think made the transition easier. So. Yeah, now, you were you were on some really good teams. Do you have a favorite game or, or memory that stood out from your time as a player? Man, a favorite game or memory. <laughs> um, you know, one of the ones that's definitely on top of the list, and it might sound kind of cliche, but um, our senior game, Kirby and I's senior game at home mm. against William and Mary. Mm. Um, and I think that was just kind of one of those bittersweet things. I just, it's one of those games that I will absolutely never forget. Just mm-hmm. running down the ramp and seeing the crowd was that was there and so many people that we knew and then 
you know, we ended up beating William and Mary by like 40, I think. So the game in <laughs> itself, it was yeah. just, it, it was fun. Um, so that one, definitely the championship wins that we've had. Um, the winning the first round in the NCAA tournament our senior year, that was huge too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are, there were some of those, you know, random games throughout the season, those down to the wire games that, you know, I won't forget either. I know we played a game my senior year at Towson down to the wire. Uh, There's vivid plays in that one that you remember. (laughs) Um, But one of the ones that I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think about was our WNIT run um, my junior year. That one was, uh, I mean, all in all. Yeah, that's what we wanted to ask you about. I, I know that you were on a couple NCAA teams who won the conference, mm-hmm. um, but that WNIT run in, I, I what was that, 2011-2012, I yes. guess, mm-hmm. um, was. was really special for fans, uh, for the program, uh, obviously probably for you all as players. And we were just wondering, were you all aware at the time? I mean, it feels to us like it's so funny. You all had been to the tournament the big tournament a couple of years before that, but mm-hmm. that year playing all those home games in Harrisburg, it, it just felt like that elevated the program to a whole different level. And there are so many for anybody that doesn't know, there are so many traditions, like things that have kind of come out mm-hmm. of that year's team. I think that's really, oh, the, yeah. you know, the big launching pad for start wearing purple, which is everywhere mm-hmm. now. Uh, shops oh, and Chad's and the pet band. Yeah. I mean, certainly <laughs> the, yeah, the resurgence of the pet band in general, and the kind of attendance, I mean, the women's team since that year has outdrawn the men's team. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just been a, a really fantastic atmosphere to go to games in Harrisonburg. Um, were you guys aware of that at all during that run? You all went all the way to the final in that year. I think you, would you play five, four or five home games? Yes, we did. Beat we had UVA, um, beat Syracuse. five home games. Yep. Yeah, BBA, Syracuse. Yeah, I remember all of them, too. It's crazy. It's yeah, were you guys so aware of, like, that that could be – like that that was kind of growing so much at the time or was it just fun for you all as players? You know, honestly, at the time, I don't think we were aware. Um, I think mainly for us though, because, you know, the fan support that we had was always so special anyway, as well as, you know, the pet band. That was a lot of our favorite thing was we rather listen to the pet band than like music playing in warmups and stuff. Right. Um, and just the intensity <laughs> the intensity that they gave off during the games. Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, there's still people that I talk to. Um, you know, I was living over in Charlottesville for a while. And of course I would rep my JMU gear. Um, <laughs> and they'd always be like, man, we absolutely hated playing at the combo because of the pet band. I'm like, well, yeah, like, obviously. So now that, I mean, that whole entire postseason run was amazing. And I don't think it was still, you know, the championship game, honestly, which sounds crazy at Oklahoma state mm-hmm. where it's like the pet band and the home crowd that we had gave us so much more while we were playing mm-hmm. that like when you lose that aspect, especially in, in such a big game like that or big moments like that. Right. Um, it's, it's like, it's a real thing. It, it's <laughs> definitely something, you know, as a team and as athletes, uh, you can see pay off. You kind of have that sixth man in there. Um, so that was huge. And, we were heartbroken when we knew that the championship game wasn't going to be at JMU <laughs> to this day. And I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently it was like the home and garden show or something. Yes, like we, I yeah. remember oh my gosh. I don't know if that's true, but to this day, whenever I see anything about the home and garden show, I'm like, yeah, they just need to cancel this. I got to throw the papers bottle. away. <laughs> like, yeah, forget the home and garden show. I love that. 
goodness. But no, that run was awesome. Yeah. As two uh, non-athlete fans, uh, that's really great to hear. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Cool. Well, actually, I I had one more thing just in general. We're talking about fan support. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the great parts about JMU is that, you know, there's such – such great support for um, the women's teams. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed maybe somebody's t- closer to it in general? The, N- the WNBA seems to be turning a corner. Maybe it's just the people that we associate mm-hmm. with, or mm-hmm. maybe it's just because I'm fortunate to live, you know, in the Mystics home market. Right. But it really seems like that's turning a corner, and that's uh, like there's just far far greater emphasis and enthusiasm for the WNBA. Is that just mm-hmm. me being kind of aware of it, or are you sensing that too? Like, it, it seems to be like you got a lot of NBA players um, coming out and showing up at games and speaking to it. And I know right. more mainstream people. It just seems like people are waking up to it. Like, it's a really good product, um, both at the college level and at the WNBA level, but even in high school. Is that something that you're noticing as well? Absolutely. I definitely have seen, you know, at least in the last year as well, much more of a push for the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say too, though. And for me, and I mean, uh, you guys too, being involved in sports and kind of in the know, <laughs> um, those people who aren't that involved, do they still see what's going on with the WNBA and the caliber of players that they have? Um, and, and, you know, the push has been great for it. And I can only hope that it continues to go up. And I think the other great thing beyond just the basketball aspect of it is a lot of those WNBA players are trying to do a lot more in the community as well. Um, And that kind of seems to be one of the more shining points is getting that information out there. Uh, And once a lot of people see that, they're like, Oh, okay. You know, and these girls play basketball. So let's go to a basketball game. Um, So it's been nice to see. And I can only hope that it continues to go up. Um, I know a lot of times another one of the big things is, to talk about money and what they get paid versus, you know, NBA players and this and that. And so mm-hmm. just the funding in general for the women's game mm-hmm. isn't completely up there. And I mean, I don't know the right answer to get it where it needs to be, but I think it's going in the right direction. Uh, I can only hope so. Cause you know, I would love to see, you know, a, a lot more players it, at the women's level reach that potential. Cause you know, Back in the day, you don't see, and even now, you don't see that many mid-majors. And with Jane, you considered mm-hmm. a mid-major for whatever reason <laughs> in girls' basketball. Um, you don't see that many mid-majors making it to that level. Uh, so I think once there's more funding and more recognition of it, I think you'll see a lot more of that. That's a cool. good thing. And JMU is no, certainly not a mid-major in women's lacrosse anymore. Thank so, you. Yes. Absolutely not, <laughs> which is amazing. Right. So, I love it. Yeah. Nikki, we can't thank you enough. Uh, this It's great to talk to you. Um, it's been just a pleasure for us to follow your career and that of um, some of your incredible teammates over the years. Yes, I think absolutely. your buddy Kirby, I think, still playing professionally, right? She is. She is. She's recovering from a little uh, ACL tear right now, but she's uh, on the come up. So that's good. Hopefully she'll be back out there soon. Yeah, she'll be bombing threes again soon enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You got so, Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Um, but thank you so much for the time. And uh, we will be looking forward to hopefully catching up with you at homecoming. For and sure. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thanks again, Nikki. All right. Yeah. See you guys. See ya. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah. What's up, Rob? Oh, nothing. How are All you? Right. 
I'm, I'm doing just as well as try, I was try, before. Yeah. yeah. Navigating well, this app tonight was a little more difficult than, than usual. Yes. I got kicked out. Yes. Uh, big thanks to Nikki Newman for her patience with the, with our technical difficulties. Um, what a fun guest that was to have, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, someone who just has so much insight and as I think it was pretty obvious, just has been around JMU athletics forever. And, uh, one of the rising voices in JMU athletics uh, that we're looking forward to hearing from you for years to come, hopefully. So. Probably. Um, yeah. Well, the, the whole radio team does a good job and I'm sure sure do. They probably got a lot more people tuned in last week. And I know lots of us had trouble with the stream and, and I'm going the radio route for portions of the game. So it's a good product and, and Nikki's a good addition. You know, she wasn't at the road game, but right. um, definitely tune in if you have a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't shout at her too much from the stands when she's down there on the sidelines. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, we are going to move on to this week's big football news. We'll do four downs from the big win over Villanova, 37 nothing up there on the main line. Um, Rob, you want to start us off here? Um, yeah. What, what are we doing? Just four downs? Just our normal. So, yeah. Just normal? Yep. Four downs. And I guess, I mean, and... the big takeaway was what a bounce back. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's things I'm sure we can, we can pick nits and talk about little things in there, but just a great response overall after a very disappointing loss to, to a tough Elon team, but a team that was certainly beatable, um, you know, after me questioning the defense and saying we might need to pump the brakes on it, boy, they, they looked very, very good mm-hmm. against, or yeah. objectively speaking, a pretty, pretty weak team, but they still, they put their foot on their neck and didn't really let them, let them up at all. Um, absolutely destroyed them. I think held them to what, like 153 yards or something mm-hmm. like that. I believe it was like one and a half yards a carry. Um, the offense, you know, we still have some issues in the red zone, but they at least came out energized out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw some new weapons. I thought Brown was a revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really fun to see him. Um, the specials were, were <laughs> very special. Sure, I mean, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in every aspect, not just Amos. That's obviously the big takeaway. Right. But uh, Racky continues just to knock him down. Mm-hmm. Um, the punt return or the punt block, block. Mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Good coverage, just all around, all around great. But I thought they corrected a lot of the things that had hurt them the previous week. Um, you know, just particularly in the trenches, both I thought the offensive line and the defensive line looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. They got great penetration, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, just It was really nice. See, after a very tough loss, you didn't know if they were going to come out and be sleepwalking, but this was just one of those never-in-doubt, you know, start-to-finish dominating wins. So. Yeah, I, I think following on that for my second down, I, I've in a all of that is absolutely accurate is I was so impressed with the way the coaches approached this game and the first half of this game in terms of game planning on offense. Um, What we saw from Jake Brown on the first drive or two was unexpected, but also really telling that, you know, I I think I had complained a little bit the last couple of weeks that when the running game wasn't there, it felt like, we were JMU was slow to move. We like JMU was yeah. slow, to, slow to move to the pass when the pass was there, um, you know, and not necessarily just the home run ball, but just the shorter passing game to move the ball. And they right away attacked Villanova with something that I, I have to think the Villanova coaches did not have Jake Brown high on the game planning board, you know, and it was just great. I mean, I think they had four passes to him in the first two drives and, yeah. and it was just, Great to see them sort of, you know, acknowledge what they can do, what they can't do right now, and, and move on. And they have the athletes to do it. And 
I just was so excited about that. You know, that it was so funny that Richmond game when Jake Brown had the long touchdown kind of late in the blowout and it felt like such a from uh, Gage Maloney, right? Yeah. And it was, it was, that's what it was, right? It was, here's these young guys getting a chance in a blowout and you didn't know, I didn't think like, Oh, I'm going to see Jake Brown be a massive part of the game plan in a big CAA game later in the season. I thought that was a season highlight. Right. And uh, what a cool, I mean, it's, it's great for him. He, clearly earned it and was deserving of it. I mean, he was all over the place. So I just, uh, the game planning from the Dukes was a, was a huge step up this week. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you for third down, Rob? Just, um, I guess I hinted at the defense mm. earlier my first time, but it is a completely different unit <laughs> with Adib and Landon Ward yep. in there. Those two guys, I mean, it's night and day. And, you know, I, I'd been, I'd been kind of critical of, of some of the breakdowns against Elon. And um, I didn't think the sky was falling, but I was like, well, you know, there's this defense still has a ton of room to grow. I I thought they were good, you know, had the potential to be great, but they looked great on Saturday. They did. And again, you know, as soon as you heard Nova's quarterback wasn't playing, (laughs) man, it was like, uh, we were getting, you know, it's a last place team. That's poor guys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go crazy about this. I mean, once again, JMU has now beaten, three of the worst teams in the CAA. Um, they've done it soundly, mm-hmm. which is good. And anytime you shut any opponent out, mm-hmm. it's good. But, man, this defense, Adib just completely changes the way that they attack the running game. 100%. And opens things up for the guys that are more of the pass-rushing type specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, what, they have 13 tackles for loss? Yeah, it just felt uh, like, including, it was like sack after sack. Yeah. yeah, there's six sacks, 13 tackles for loss. I mean, they're getting guys in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, one and a half yards per carry. It was just it, Nova had no hope. Nova could do nothing, yep. which was was fun to see. Um, I don't want to get too excited. I, I don't think this is yeah, necessarily like last year's D, but I do think it's just it. It's a noticeably better unit mm-hmm. with the Devin Ward in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's huge. I mean, getting Landon Ward back to for kind of a a third player along with Deshaun Moore and Dimitri Holloway. It really beefs up the. I mean, you don't feel thin at that position anymore, nope. and and it, you know people don't. We don't. Know, I mean, as fans, I'm just as guilty as anybody. We don't always notice what Green and, and Adib, what the defensive tackles do, but their job is to clog that thing up yep. and let other guys shine. And yeah, the the different. I mean, to see guys like Daka and Word running all over. Draw double teams. So yeah, those, guys can get those other guys are free to go kill people and. It just was a huge, huge difference with having them back. I think that's exactly right. And hopefully, I think Houston seemed surprised that Adib played, you know, yeah. came back. So hopefully this bye week, as Nikki said, can come really at the right time and, and set things up for Jamie to be healthy the last four games of the regular season and into the playoffs. Yeah, we were down, I can't believe we're down to only four games left in the regular no, season. But, 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 I mean, they're also really fortunate in terms of timing with the bye. It, it's just about perfect. It you, is. You get a break now. Um, I think it's probably good to have a bye coming into a big home homecoming week where everybody's going to be excited. But Against a good team. You know, get a good team, but Houston will have them focused. Mm-hmm. Still coming off, you know, the losses in the rearview mirror, but not so far behind that they're not thinking about, you know, how things can go wrong and, and staying focused. But, right. I don't know, man. You're starting to think like, man, you know, this is really coming together in terms of people getting healthy and really people kind of finding their roles at this point Mm -hmm. of the season to set up well for this stretch run. Yeah. And I think for fourth down, 
Rob touched on it in the first one, but I mean, the special teams were off the charts this week. Uh, it was hysterical. I mean, Amos's second re- touchdown return, he was like out of gas at the 50 yard line. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I laughed. I wrote on the blog this week, I was like, it's not every day you have to contemplate whether you need to take a timeout so that your return team can catch a breather. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it was that kind of, dumb. I mean, he didn't get touched on the second return. No. So, and, and, what can we say about our guy, Jimmy, uh, again, as always, and just finding ways to contribute. Jimmy was out in front on both punt returns. He, he I don't even know if that counts as a blocked punt. He blocked it on the drop. <laughs> right. The guy I didn't mean, punt the ball. <laughs> no, he dropped it. Like, he d- caught the drop. He, yeah. yeah. Uh, how is that even possible? Right. And that's before get... we even talk about his forced fumble on defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that's even possible to get in so quickly. I mean, it is obviously a combination of scheme and the coaches obviously saw something there, but it's also Jimmy's a really special player. And... I just, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure it's happened before, right. but I've never seen that. Like, <laughs> the punter dropped the ball. He knocked it away before it could be kicked. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, that's unbelievable. Incredible. And, and as Matt, it's so funny. I, you know, I, we, we joked during the game about we're, Again, in the first half, we were back in – we felt like for a little bit there, we were back in Mickey, Cam Stark, field goals are coming days. Yeah. As JMU just, you know, seemed to settle or, or seemed to have to be forced to settle for field goals. But when you know you've – when you know your team is this good on defense and special teams, I, I do understand what makes them think, you know, if we're going to go up 13 nothing or 16 nothing, let's take the points and move on. You know, we'll get our chances later in the game. Well, I, so I'm sure somebody can correct us, and, and they will if I'm wrong here, but I believe they said that Racky is one field goal away from the season record. I think that's probably – I mean, it's weird. It's, I, I don't know. I didn't see that, but I think that's probably accurate. I, you know, JMU in the, in the past has not had uh, – we love our guy Cam, but they have not had a team where they attempted many field goals over 40 no. yards, you know? No, I mean, it's, it's a credit to Recky, and it's also kind of a, a point of frustration for a lot of fans. <laughs> right, that, right. Oh, my gosh, we kicked so many damn field goals right. instead of punching in. Right. But if he's going to make them at, like, a 90% clip, man, it, it changes things. Yeah, I think he's you know? 10 for 11 on the season, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, with that, I think we should talk about, as we head into the bye week, Rob, um, one obvious concern remains, uh, and then there, we'll probably come up with one more. It, it, you want to start us off here with a concern? Well, I assume, the stress run. Yeah, I'm still worried about the running game. Um, oh, okay. I was pleased with the way that there were signs of life in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. um, particularly when Trey Sharp came in. Mm-hmm. You know, he really just started moving it consistently. He broke off a couple, you know, like 10, 15-yard runs. But more than that was just consistently getting the four or five yards to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a credit not just to Trey, but to the entire offensive line. That's right. And indicative of the fact that Nova was just worn out at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's so – that that's encouraging. I mean, that's when you really need the running game Mm -hmm. is late in games when you just need to move the chains and and keep the other team off the field. Um, And coaches talks, he mentioned today in this press conference that there's no issues at running back. Nobody's worried about getting their own stats or anything. It's a complete kind of team first position group, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. But as a fan, I still, I don't understand why Marcus Marshall isn't getting the ball more. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think he is, about as talented as the guys we have. We've got plenty of talented guys back there. But and as much as I love Johnson, like there are games where it just it just wasn't working for them in the first half in the third quarter. 
And Marshall's sitting there on the sideline. He had four carries. Yeah. Um, one of them was for a touchdown. But there, there's a – I don't know if it's just, like, determined that eventually it's going to break through like it did mm-hmm. or if it's more just stubbornness. I, I don't know. And you had talked about this earlier right. in the season, how it concerned you that we didn't really have, like, an alpha back mm-hmm. and it was everything else. I was fine with that when they were just kind of playing that hand, but now they just seem like they're going to pound it and pound it and pound it. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, you know, we'll just sooner or later it will. And finally they switched it up to Trey in the end, but I just can't figure it out why they're struggling to run the ball in the first half of most games. Yeah, it's tough. I I really struggled. I watched the game with our triad Dukes down here in Greensboro this week and Rob and Steve, Adrian, good to see you all. And we, we all kind of, we just cringe because we want we talked about we want Carden so much like we we've just for all you know six years guy's been with the program he's been through so many injuries we we want him to break through so much um but I don't know yeah I I think it's a it's a tough call and they are rotating them a lot and that's not on Carden individually necessarily I mean he's getting hit right away right yeah there's nowhere to go it just feels like and I don't know I mean I'd like to trust at this point we're a week away from a bye obviously JMU is probably at this point in the season playing any kind of little nicks and bruises and stuff pretty close to the vest and you know I I'll say this having watched JMU under Houston these last two years it wouldn't surprise me at all if they get to week 10 week 11 or if they're fortunate enough into the postseason, and suddenly Marcus Marshall has 20 carries a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there may be a little bit of playing coy here because there is, but, yeah. but I don't think this is like, you know, an NBA type situation where a team can just flip the switch in the playoffs. No, I don't either. I, I, I do think you need to establish things and, you know, kind of get your reps. And yep. for whatever reason, it's just, it's not coming together as quickly as I thought it would. Now, it's funny because th- I will say, I think Trey, you know, even in this tough stretch has been the one guy that's really popped up and, and seemed to be somewhat unaffected by the rotation. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's, you know, the best player on the field at any given time or anything, but he just seems to produce as he always produces um, whenever he's in there. And that's cool to see. But yeah, my concern is just red zone offense. You talked about this for yeah. weeks now. And I think JMU, again, I think they just haven't established their identity in the red zone. It's kind of what I think they're searching for. I know we know that Houston and Kirkpatrick, they want to run the ball. I mean, they really want to show they can run the ball. Um, but and I'll, that does tend to be when Marshall gets his carries. I mean, he, he, it does. He pounded one in from mm-hmm. close, which was good. But, it's, but they also seem to have a you know, decided talent advantage most, most weeks on the outside if they choose to throw to Riley or to Dean. And – you know, at the same, you know, if you put those guys, if it's third and seven at the 13, now you're asking them to, you know, not only make a play, but also make a play against the covers designed to stop them. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, and it's, I don't know the answer. I mean, is Jan, you going to keep doing this until they get the running game clicking down there? Or are they going to, at some point decide, all right, first down, now we're going to give our athletes a shot. They just seem to have to figure out what they're doing. And I, it's obviously all colored by time and score and who the team they're playing is. You know, I, I think it was watching on TV. It was a little harder for me than it probably was for Houston watching in person. 
I didn't realize how bad Villanova was on offense with the second and third string quarterbacks playing. Like it just seemed, I was like, Oh, Jamie's playing pretty well. Right. Yeah. And, it, and I didn't, whereas I think if you're at the game and you're a coach who's really watched a lot of things on film, I mean, I, they had to know by the end of the first quarter, they're going to, Villanova can't do anything with these two guys yeah. in there. And so there's no need to, you know, there's no need to be overly aggressive and risk risk taking in the red zone. But yeah, that's something I, I'm, I'm really hopeful as we've talked about already tonight, that the buy has come at a good time. And with four weeks left, they're going to really get in the lab and figure this out. So, yeah, I hope so. Cause it's, I mean, they're coming away with points. It's not like they're turning the ball over a lot in the red zone or they're, you know, getting sacked out of back out of field goal range. I mean, they are getting points. We, we need to not lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they scored every time they were in the red zone mm-hmm. this week. Um, we would just like to see them punch it in for six more often. I was happy with that last drive. You know, they didn't yeah. need those points from any sort of win-loss standpoint, but I think it's really good from a confidence and from a working things out that you put together a scoring drive and, and get a touchdown there. The Absolutely. End. And I felt um, a lot better. I think it's a difference. I mean, it sounds stupid, but walking away from that game 37-0 versus 30-7, to is a, it felt different. You know, yeah. it, it did. It felt like oh, they're oh, putting their stamp on this thing and they're saying, we're back, but we're not going to have another hiccup like Elon the rest of the way. Yeah, and it's funny because I think a lot of the, the narrative from the fan base, and certainly we're continuing along right. with this as I speak, is kind of like, hey, you know, it's good. Delaware, Delaware wasn't great. You know, righted the ship. At least we got the W. Let's move on. Right. The players and coaches seem really enthusiastic. It's like, yeah, we went out there, we corrected our mistakes, we executed our game plan, and we kicked their ass. Yeah. You know, that's totally – they know better than us. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yes. Um, I think it's weird because I don't know what we expected as fans. I think many of us wanted three or four just dominating, you know, seven or eight play, maybe ten play dominating touchdown drives. We didn't get that. We got a 37 nothing win. You know, you can – Part of the reason they didn't get more touchdowns on offense is because they had fewer drives. Right. When Amos returns two kicks, yeah. right at the time, you know, when you're, you're starting to lean on them sure. and Nova's starting to show weaknesses. So um, this is a little bit of a beggars can't be choosers yeah. sort of thing. We're, we, we're being a little bit nitpicky, but I am very concerned about the kind of lackluster um, effort, not effort, lackluster results we've seen in the red zone. Yeah. And, and my la- I guess my last point on this game would be, I, you know, we said Villanova's down there. Now three and four and zero oh and four in the conference. Um, this is a team that started the season with a win over Temple from the FBS, and they've had some injuries that have really slowed them down. They lost to Maine on a last-second field goal last week. They, I, I don't. This team, I will. I'll only say it this way: this team is not as bad as Richmond and William and Mary. Is was no, my no. I, you know thirty-seven nothing. We and with the Elon game in between, we start getting nervous again about uh, Jamie's just playing the crappy teams. I, I think there's a lot of people at Villanova who said they're going into their buy as well. Like take this L to JMU, see if we can turn it around and finish seven to four, see what happens, you know? So I, I'm not saying they can do that. And I don't think if they don't get the Narchik back at quarterback, they probably can't. But I, I do, I think Villanova is a sounder team than we saw from the, our Virginia brethren. Yeah. In the mean, other blowouts. There's, there's so a winless team in the CAA they is still are. a winless team. Yeah. You know, it's what is it? You are what your record says you are yeah, at some yeah, point. That's true. You know, they're better and they're competitive. But like, they're a tough out, but they're still not really a winning program no, uh, no. for for many valid reasons. 
Right. But when you don't have good quarterback play and you've got other guys banged up, you lose a lot of games. So well, we got ta- certainly yeah. We got yeah, Stony Brook, yeah. Towson, and Rhode Island on the schedule coming down yeah. the stretch. So we'll find out who's who's really good and who's not. Yeah. Um, soon real enough. Quick. Yeah. So we're going to do a real quick overtime tonight. Um, our buddy Poof, <laughs> Mike, wherever you are, uh, suggested our favorite in in conference and out of conference games. I think we were going to take this primarily from a regular season point of view. Rob and I said this ultimately devolves into one out-of-conference game for both of us. Yeah. So there's really nothing else to talk about. Um, but you want to start with the in-conference game, Rob? The in-conference. Are we talking like uh, – I'm a little unclear on this yeah. question. Um, we're talking like, like rival or singular game? I was thinking of it in terms of singular game, but if you want to take it from rival, that's fine. No, like a singular game. Um, I think I've talked about it in the past, but the 0-4 – home game against Delaware the court yeah. itself, that was that was one of my favorites mm-hmm. no flags uh, was, yeah no flags I still this, this is going to sound like a troll pick and I really don't intend it to be <laughs> but the JMU game of William and Mary where they where we didn't complete a pass, I thought about Daquan Scott yeah Daquan Scott um not because it's like haha not but William and Mary was really good that year they were number one team in the nation um it kind of epitomized all the good and a little bit of the bad mm-hmm. of the Mickey Matthews era yeah where when he wanted to, he could just flat out coach mm-hmm. anybody, mm-hmm. Um, you know, come up with a crazy scheme. He didn't really care what people thought of it. If he was being made fun of, um, Daquan Scott, I think was was he a freshman at the time? I think he was. Yeah. Yeah, they just went all wildcat. Um, it was just it was great. I mean, that was a really good team. It was a great upset. It was a beautiful day. I was there with my whole family. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it also kind of the bad side was you saw kind of the missed potential mm-hmm. that, that several of those Mickey teams had. But that game is just one that will stand out. It was so quirky. But if you were there, it was amazing to see yeah. a team that had really underachieved. I think Jamie probably finished – it was probably one of those six and five years, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. Um, we never had losing records under Mickey. But it was an underwhelming team that still had the talent to pull off a pretty amazing upset uh, at home. For sure. Yeah, mine I, – I wanted to cheat and put the word memory playoff game in 04 in there, but the, I was thinking mm-hmm. this is not really a playoff category. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the game that I was attended that is my favorite is the Villanova game in 08, the Hail Mary to Bosco Williams up at Villanova. Um, just felt like, oh, here's another ridiculous thing that's happening in that ridiculous season. Yeah. Um, they, that, they had a great playoff game against Villanova at home. They, they did. Um, I did not get to attend this one, but my favorite, I, I think for me, it's got to be the Scotty McGee, the Richmond game in 08 at City Stadium. Yeah. And we've talked about that on the pod before, but. For the Richmond Dukes, there's no brighter memory, um, and that that's it, it's tough to beat a punt return touchdown from your best player to win the game. So walk off punt return. Yeah, Rob, we're yeah. both. I mean, I with you know small shouts to the Virginia Tech game. I, our best out of conference game is unquestionably App State 08. Correct? Yeah, yeah. There's that game has no peer in JMU home game lore, and I I think we would we would posit that even against the older guys who witnessed some, some really great stuff even before our time. Uh, but certainly there's been nothing since 08 to possibly top that as an out of conference, at least in the regular season. I mean, I, arguments can be made for Weber state or the, you know, last year, but, uh, but playoffs are totally different. Playoffs category. a different animal. Yeah, Play, I mean, animal. Regular season. You don't get a lot of, you know, power matchups, uh, in, right. you know, interconference power matchups. That was, yeah. what was Jamie was what? Was it yeah. number one versus number two? I think it was one versus or one three. three. Yeah. Was Jamie three? Yeah. yeah. And it was just, 
the the I don't know the feeling for that. It's it's the only game I've ever been to at JMU that felt like a big game outside of the teams playing or outside of the conference involved. Yeah, you know, it, it maybe that's just purple colored glasses, but that felt like wow. This I mean, it, it, you know, it had the sense of a Thursday night ESPN game at the FBS level. Um, just what a, you know, just two teams that did not like each other had played a couple times in the preceding years. You had probably the best player in the country playing quarterback for App State at the time, Armani Edwards, and JMU goes down twenty-one nothing and comes back to win. <laughs> it's tough. Off another Scotty McGee. Yes, yeah, so with it, Scotty again. Yeah, uh, just so many things about that game that that feel like that was a real turning point for the entire JMU. Fan, uh, program and for the fan base especially well that was that was a game too I, I don't know if you remember but we got down there early mm-hmm. and drove through campus then went to dave's for lunch then came back but <laughs> campus was like really buzzing yes in ways that i don't recall ever seeing for a regular season game no i think the um, game day game in 2015 that obviously jamie lost to richmond yeah you know felt that I, way but in a different, like like pre New Bridge Fort. Yes, like it, it was just it was on a different level from anything mm-hmm. else that had been done up to that time. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah. So, with that, that takes us to the end tonight. Um, big thanks again to Nikki. Well, uh, hopefully we'll maybe have Nikki on again. She's a fun guest, and it just it feels like we're talking to a friend again. I don't know what it is against about this women's basketball thing. I think when we talked to Coach O'Regan last year, we felt that way too. Yeah. Maybe it's just people a little well, closer. Maybe- to us. Nikki's whole family. I mean, both her yes. parents. Her mom played lacrosse and field hockey, I think, at, at JMU. <laughs> okay. I mean, dad played football, brother played football, so right. she didn't have a chance. No, <laughs> no, no chance at all. No, yeah. there's no true Duke dog out there. Yep. So thanks again to Pale Fire. We are really looking forward to seeing a lot of you at Pale Fire. Uh, we're going to be doing something at 9 p.m. on the Friday night of the night before homecoming. Uh, Hopefully we'll it's just drinking beers and chatting. Yeah, we're, we're kind of working this out. We're going to work out. If we can find a way to record, we will, but I'm not sure how that's going Yeah, if to. we can't find a way to record, we may just say hi and throw streamers and yeah. buy people beers. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, if you're down there, come join us after Quad Fest. Uh, we did tell uh, the JMU Alumni Association, particularly the Harrisonburg chapter, we would give a big shout-out, and, and we should, and we'll be talking about this the next couple of weeks. Um, but there's a really cool event the night before, and they, it's a little earlier than our event. They were even, you know, they, had, they were even like, we don't want to intrude. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Like, no, no, no. there's no intruding. Quadfest no. is a way bigger deal. Um, get on out there. You can get tickets. If you look at the Alumni Association website or the Duke Club, um, there's going to be a big announcement, quote, big announcement at, uh, at Quadfest. I think mainly it's a chance to uh, hang out and drink beers on the quad, which is rare. Uh, we've had two college game days, but that's about the only time that's been possible. So I think it's from. Well, this is this. Is, let's be clear. This isn't just don't bring out your beers. There's actually yeah, a they, beer they, don't drag a cooler out there. I think there's <laughs> no, an there's, actual there, event. There's you buy an actual a ticket. Like, yeah, yeah, you buy tickets. It's like a it's a beer garden of sorts. Yes, um, yes. But you got you got register in advance. But I think there's also going to be stuff like more family oriented things too. If yes. people are bringing their kids back, so yeah, should, def- should be a fun event. Yeah, you can check out the new D Hall. You can go out to Quad Fest. Um, Hopefully we'll have great weather. Nothing better than JMU end of October out on the quad. Uh, so get out there and then afterwards come join us at Pale Fire. And uh, hopefully we'll all have a good time and be able to celebrate the next night on Saturday uh, after a big JMU win. Uh, but Rob, I will talk to you next week when we're going to, we're turning the page to your sport here. 
I know hoops. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not ready. Uh, well, I'm, not ready. I'm excited. It. I'm very excited. I think it's gonna be a good year, but it seems quick. I'm, I feel like I'm just getting in the swing of football, and now I'm starting to get that. Getting a couple creepers thinking about an ending, <laughs> <laughs> tearing so, up a little bit. I have to say, I'm really excited about the men's team. I, I've I, seen a few yeah. of our guys, um, SoCon John. You know, I'm down here at UNCG, and UNCG is expected to have an enormous year. But uh, some of the guys who follow pretty closely um, mid-major basketball, I've seen Brian Mull talking about this, uh, Wilmington guy who's probably been homeless for a few weeks, and, um, you know, some of the guys who cover the SOCON. And there's a lot of excitement, like kind of under-the-radar buzz from the people really in the know about JMU. Like, I think Nikki brought it up. They lost a lot of close games last year. And you, as you have said, there's a lot of talent on this team. I, I, this is not a team that's going to be picked for all the awards. But um, they're – the North... Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I mean, I'm more excited for this team than I have been in easily five or six years preseason. You know, I mean, the 2013 was a bolt of lightning you know, winning was, the tournament that, in that weird year. Seven-team tournament. And that but was in, fun. In terms of building in five, six, seven, eight talented players and feeling like they have bought into JMU, that's I, – I haven't been this excited in a while. And it's, no, and there's some good players in the conference. Like, people mm-hmm. are always talking like, oh, the CAA is what it once uh, was. KCOC is back again? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a fun league, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I watched a lot of it last year. and This is not like – bad basketball it's really entertaining um northeastern's bring back some talent they're going to be good yeah william and mary shaver has done an amazing job that is just the program that is kind of they just continue to find more people that look like they're from the cast of like um dead poet (laughs) society they look like they're all like on some sort of high school prep prep school team but they can all shoot the lights out right you know i don't know where he gets these guys that you know are six two like Surprisingly athletic, yeah, and then they can all shoot forty five percent from behind the line. Right, but he keeps finding more and more of them. Yeah, um, Hofstra should be better. Elon's opening a new gym this year, hosting yeah. North Carolina for their first game. So, yeah, yeah no, it's a lot of good stuff in the CAA, and it's exciting to think JMU will be in the mix of it this year. I certainly yeah. hope so. Yeah. So, Rob, I will talk to you next week. All right, have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes.